Welcome to the Eisner Emperor podcast series. I'm your host, Dave Plasco. In this special episode, we're talking about the collapse of Silicon Valley and signature banks with Alan Wink, Managing Director for Eisner Amper's Capital Market. Alan, always good to speak with you. Dave, good afternoon. A pretty crazy last couple of days, to say the least. Absolutely. And, and we've heard the troubling news about Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. SVB being the largest bank failure since the Great Recession and the second largest uh, bank failure in U.S. history. So we're hearing the increasing interest rates, perhaps along with some of the easing of the Dodd-Frank restrictions in 2018, played a role here. What do you think led to this collapse? Dave, I really don't want to politicize it. You know, I think a lot of people are pointing to you know, the Trump administration when they eased you know, some of the regulations on smaller banks. I'm not really sure if that had an impact here. You know, it's funny, you know, SVB was a bank that I've known for many, many years in the tech and life sciences space. I've worked with them with several of our clients. It took SVB 40 years to build the reputation they had, which was stellar. And it took 36 hours for it to come tumbling down. It happened really quickly. And I think if you get to the essence of it, it was sort of a, a mismanagement of asset and liabilities. What happened with the SVB, during COVID, they gathered a tremendous amount of deposits from technology companies and venture capitalists. In the last three years, their deposit base has grown probably two to two and a half X. And once again, they had all these deposits, but they couldn't make loans quick enough to use it up. So what does a bank do? They, you know, they invest, they, you know, they take the deposits, they have liabilities on, they invest the capital in making loans. And the rest is invested in in safe securities, fixed income. And what happened with SVB, they, they were caught in the middle. They took on all these deposits, which are short-term liabilities, and they matched them with long-term assets, long-term fixed income securities that over time, as interest rates went up, and interest rates have been increased seven times in the last you know year or so, the value of those assets go down. And you know, at the same time, we saw a, a little bit of a decline in the venture capital space. They hadn't been investing as much money as they had in the past in 2022. And so all of a sudden, you know, portfolio companies started to pull their deposits out because they needed the money for, for working capital reasons to meet you know, operating expenditures. And at the same time, SVB had to take money out of these longer term assets and pay back their depositors. And all of a sudden, they developed a gap between the amount of money they had and the amount of money they needed. You know, they hired Goldman Sachs, you know, very quickly to go out and see if they could, you know, raise a secondary offering, you know, attracted investor. The venture capital industry got wind of this. And all of a sudden, the VCs and their portfolio companies were instructed to pull the deposit base out of SVB. And that created the run on the bank that we all saw last week. And it happened really quickly. About $50 billion came out of SVB's you know, accounts literally overnight. And that's when the FDIC stepped in and took over. It was just a perfect storm. It was absolutely the perfect storm. And, and to add to that, one of the interesting things about SVB, you know, and they, they, were, they were the premier venture debt provider. They typically you know, provided debt to companies that had attracted venture capital investors. You know, one of the issues with SVB as a lender is if you took 
a loan from SVB, if they put debt into your business, they wanted to make sure that all your deposits were in that bank. That's the reason why so many of these depositors had huge sums with SVB and certainly above the $250,000 FDIC threshold. So SVB depositors really were more than just you know these smaller seed stage tech companies. I mean, there were some big established companies. Absolutely. And talk about the ripple effects this could have. Well, you know, I think you saw it a little bit with you know Signature Bank being taken over also, and their situation's a little bit different because they had a lot of money invested in crypto assets, and we all know what happened there. You know, you saw First Republic, they halted trading last Thursday also. You know, I think you saw the announcement last night by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury that, you know, the government will backstop all of the depositors' money so that no one has any money at risk. And that's going to be backstopped by sort of a secondary insurance program that the FDIC has with the banks. So I think a lot of the turmoil was avoided last night as a result of the press release from the Fed and the Treasury. But look, I think the FDIC is taking a closer look at all institutions right now. And let's hope there aren't others out there that have the same mismatch problem that, that SVB had. You know, the other part of this is that, you know, you're going to see a lot of borrowers transition from SVB and Signature to other banks. I was on the phone literally two hours ago with one of our clients that had money in Signature and they want to know whether they should pull it out. And we've been fielding calls like that over the last, you know, 72 hours. So you're going to see certainly a transition to other financial institutions. And these financial institutions might not be in the business of venture lending like SVB was. That's not their business. Now, late last week, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen said no government bailout. Looks like the Biden administration reversed course a little bit and said that, you know, everyone will have access to all of their money. What's the government's plan here, do you think? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I expected to see over the weekend the FDIC ensuring that another major money center bank purchased SVB. And I think when you saw the press release that came out late last night, I think the FDIC exhausted those efforts. There was no other bank wanted to step into the shoes of SVB. I don't know the reason why. I was kind of surprised. It's something might, you know, still might happen. But I think the announcement by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury put people at ease that they can get their money today. And that was really important. So do you think this is going to be different than 2009 when Washington Mutual, which is still to this day the largest bank collapse, you know, JP Morgan Chase, as you know, bought them out. You don't expect to see a white knight come riding in for this one? It hasn't happened yet. I'd like to be surprised. I thought someone would come in over the weekend and I thought it might have been more than one institution. You know, the logical suspects being the large, you know, money center banks. Once again, I, I don't know what's beneath the balance sheet of SVB, but it must be really poorly capitalized for everybody to say no. What do you think this means for the tech ecosystem? Well, I think the fact that the government stepped in is a good sign. I think the tech ecosystem was concerned that if all these startups didn't have access to liquidity, they couldn't meet payroll. They, they certainly can't wait six months to get access to the money. A lot of these tech companies would have went bust. They would have went bankrupt. And I saw a quote over the weekend by a major West Coast VC that said, if that happened, this would have set back innovation and technology development in this country 10 years. And that you certainly don't want that to happen. 
So how should you feel this morning if you are that smaller seed stage tech company? What should be going through your mind? I think I'm pretty happy that the government stepped in. I think I'd probably consider, you know, would be considering very seriously moving my money to a more stable financial institution. You know, this shows why, you know, a lot of depositors break up their deposits so they're covered by insurance to a higher level in multiple institutions. And, you know, we've always advised our clients on that. And I think people are going to be taking a much more critical look at their banking relationships because I don't think anyone would have thought we would have seen another bank failure in our lifetime. And once again, back to your earlier question, you know, was this something brought about by, you know, the Trump administration, you know, lowering the, the regulatory standards? You know, maybe that had something to do with it, but this goes beyond that. And part of this really is, you know, mismanagement within SVB. And we still don't know the, the severity of that, but I think we'll find out pretty soon. What role do you think interest rates play? You know, that's a great question, Dave. And I was actually interviewed by a reporter on Saturday morning about this. And the reporter asked me, do I think that the Fed had this up their sleeve when they increased interest rates so many times? And I think the Fed's you know, idea of raising interest rates to, was to slow down the economy, not to put the 16th largest bank in the US out of business. So it was, a, it was unintended consequence, perhaps. Exactly. And I, I think it was a consequence nobody even thought of. I certainly didn't. Now, I was listening to CNBC this morning and uh, financial reporter Andrew Rorsorkin, who was a, was a big time business reporter, talked about the government perhaps revisiting carried interest rates. What do you think? Will this lead to increased regulatory initiatives? Well, you know, it, it's funny. I read this morning that, you know, as a part of SVB's lending, they were given warrants in numerous companies that, that they provided debt to. I heard they had warrant interests in about 3,500 companies. I don't know the value of those interests. I'm sure, you know, look at the portfolio theory. Some of them have to be worth something um, and probably a lot of money. So I think the regulators are certainly going to take a look at that. You know, carried interest in deals has been part of the VC landscape from day one. That's the part of this that encourages, you know, general partners to, to be in this business. That's the big upside. I don't think that's going to change. You know, VC as an asset class has been uber successful and has driven innovation in this country that we can't even believe. You know, without venture capital, the way we went through COVID from a business standpoint would have never happened. The, the technologies they have bankrolled over the years is amazing. So let's end on a good note. Give us, you know, some words of wisdom for SVB and signature depositors and, and the tech ecosystem. What words of wisdom do you have for them? What good could come out of this? Well, I, I think number one, I, I, I think they're going to come out whole and come out whole very quickly. So I don't, I think the alarm bell doesn't have to sign. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to ring. I think this is a, a wake up call for how, you know, venture capitalists and portfolio companies manage their cash and they, they need to do it much more prudently in the future. And I, I think at the end of the day, it was a, a big wake up call. And fortunately, they didn't suffer as a result of it. That's a good note to end on. Well, thanks, Alan, for your expertise and for putting this all into perspective for us. Dave, thank you as always. And uh, we'll talk soon. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next podcast when we get down to business.